Hey everyone, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington Church of Christ. I hope this will inspire you and help you grow in your faith as we see God move through His Word. Please stay tuned after to hear more about how you can help partner with us. Enjoy the message. Rich Bowl is the preacher at Wilmington Church God over on Nelson, um, and he is uh, new to the area, but he um, has only been in the area about a year. I guess he's not new anymore, right? Um, he uh, took uh, that position over from a pastor named Sister Looney. Sister Looney, you might have heard of her, maybe you met her. She's been in the area for, for many, many years. Um, Sister Looney um, is battling with Alzheimer's and dementia, and she's been uh, diagnosed with having uh, that. And she's, uh, Rich was telling us as we prayed a couple of weeks ago that uh, she's having more and more trouble holding a conversation, staying in the conversation, more and more trouble uh, remembering uh, what she's supposed to be doing. She is in the habit so much of laying out her clothes Saturday night to be ready to go preach Sunday morning that she still lays her clothes out Saturday night, every Saturday night, and then doesn't remember why she did that come Sunday morning. She she is um, kind of not with it. But he said it was really interesting the other day that um, one of her church members gave her a call and wanted her to pray for them. And when she picked up the phone and she began to pray for them, he said it was like her mind had complete clarity. And she was able to pray for every individual in that family, and she knew who they were, and she knew who the kids were, she knew who the grandkids were, and she, he said for 20 minutes she had complete clarity, and she prayed for 20 minutes for this family. And as he was telling me, as Rich was telling me this story, I thought, oh, if only I could learn to pray like Sister Looney. You know, it says that music, uh, the rhythms of music and the and the memories of music bypass the responses we have to the rhythms and the music we know, bypass the troubled spots that Alzheimer's and dementia gives us. And for some reason, somehow, Sister Looney's prayer life works like those rhythms of music that bypass her Alzheimer's and dementia and brings her into her right mind and prays God. And wouldn't that be awesome if we had a prayer life like that? where the rhythms of our life and the music of our soul was our prayer life. Wouldn't that be incredible? What, you know, this last year in 2019, we kind of had this uh, re-emphasis on reading the scripture and we passed out a Bible reading plan and, and there were many saints in our church that completed it, got all the way through. I was talking to somebody this morning, they said, I've got four weeks left, I'm just a little bit behind. And there were many of us who didn't complete it and failed to continue reading the whole year, that, that particular plan. Um, but what if we had this emphasis uh, this year, that a call to prayer, a call to learn how to pray, a call to being a, not just a church that prays, but a praying church? What if, what if we all took it on upon ourselves to become a praying person, not just a person who prays? I, I think it's really important to do that, and, and man, I, I have a desire to pray like Sister Looney, to pray like Christ to be of, of that mind, not only setting aside time, it, you know, that is set aside, devoted to prayer, where we, we spend 15, 20, 30 minutes, an hour on our knees just praying to God, but also a, a prayer life that is all during the day. We're in this conversation with God about how our next step should go. Or what if we became a church that was a praying church? Not just a church that prays. 
And I think this call to prayer, we can start uh, this, this whole month of January with this idea that we are going to learn how to pray, we're going to incorporate it into our life, and it's going to become a part of us, not just something we occasionally do. Now, I think we can do that by uh, looking at Psalm 23. If you want to turn your Bibles to Psalm 23, you can. What I'd like us to do is say it out loud together. We get to pray it out loud together. This is one of the most quoted prayers and psalms of all Scripture. Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer out of Matthew 6 and John 3.16 are some of the most quoted verses, I think, in all of Christianity. But I think it's a great place to start with learning how to pray and then uh, using the words of Scripture to uh, learn how to pray. When I was growing up, I don't know why, but uh, it was, I don't know if it was unintentional or intentional, but I was kind of taught, not with words that said, hey, don't do this. I was kind of taught, don't use the prayers somebody else has prayed. Don't use somebody else's prayer. Learn to pray yourself. And so I was kind of just, um, I got that impression somehow that I shouldn't use other people's prayers. And I think that has kept me from maybe learning how to pray using the words God has given us. There's great prayers in Scripture that we can just pray the Scripture, and they become our prayers, and there are great prayers that other people have prayed, and they've written down, and then they've shared, hey, this is how I prayed. I think that's a great way to learn how to pray, especially as we're learning to be a person of prayer. Psalm 23 is a great place to start there. Let's Pray this prayer together. At least say it out loud. I put the words on the screen. Now it's a mix-match hodgepodge of what I grew up learning, the King James Version, and the New International Version. And I'll tell you where some of those places are different as we talk about Psalm 23. And today we're going to focus in on learning to pray Psalm 23, but learning uh, just kind of what the first two verses are for our life. So uh, we want to memorize this verse. I challenge you to memorize all six verses. If you don't already have it memorized and meditate, I challenge you to meditate on these verses. And then I challenge you to mention them, say them to God in prayer. But here's Psalm 23. If you would say them together with me, this prayer, all six verses, uh, here it is on the screen. Let's pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we all said amen together. One, two, three, amen. Let it be, let it be. I think Psalm 23, if we could learn how to pray this psalm and incorporate it into our prayer life, it will start changing us from the inside out, really changing our souls. Maybe even becoming a rhythm or a music that does an end around where we might have memory trouble someday. So first thing I think Psalm 23 does if we start praying it is I think it reorients us to God. Psalm 23, if we learn how to pray it, I think it reorients ourselves and our God. It kind of reveals who God is and kind of tells us who we are. Psalm 23, the Lord is 
my shepherd. We need to be reoriented toward God. Um, Things are not maybe necessarily worse than they have ever been, but they're different than they've ever been. Just a couple of years ago, you would have never heard the word selfie, but now I bet everybody in here knows what a selfie is. The reason why we need to reorient ourselves to God is because we are selfie type of people. If you have never taken a picture of yourself and posted on social media, that's fine. That doesn't mean that you're not selfish. That doesn't mean you don't think about yourself. It doesn't mean you don't think about what other people are thinking about yourself. We do that. Let me rephrase that because I don't know you necessarily. I think about myself. And I think about what other people are thinking about me, even though I know in my heart of hearts nobody's actually thinking about me. But I think about those things. And I... and. Um, Left to my own devices and left to my own imagination, especially if I don't put any forth effort, I end up becoming more and more self-centered and self-focused. But when we start praying the prayer of God or the, the prayer Jesus gives us or the Psalm 23, we reorient ourselves not to be so self-centered, but to focus in on who we should be centered upon. The Lord is my shepherd. We look toward God. He is the shepherd that makes me the sheep. See how that reorients me already to a proper understanding between my place and God's place? He's the shepherd. Sheep are dumb. He is my shepherd. And you know what? Sometimes I'm just not all that with it. Sometimes I'm not very bright. And I get dumber the more selfish I become. I need to be reoriented toward who the shepherd is. This is the pattern Jesus gives us when he, when he says, here, when his disciples said, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, hey, you got to pray like this. Our Father who resides in heaven, allow his name to be holy. See how it reorients us right now, thinking about who God is. He is above us. He is holy And he is our father. He wants to take care of us. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the same kind of theme. He's above us. The shepherd guides us. The shepherd leads us. The shepherd tells us where to go. The shepherd binds up our wounds when we are hurting. The shepherd heals us. The shepherd feeds us. The shepherd shears us. The shepherd loves us. This is our father in heaven, God. And when we start praying this prayer, we start learning this prayer, we start memorizing these words, and then we meditate on it, we, we start recognizing, God, He loves us so much. He wants to care for us so much. He's our shepherd, and He does. One of the, there's a, the poem kind of describes kind of uh, how I can trust God to take care of me because he's a, He is the good shepherd. It goes like this, I know not, but God knows. Oh, blessed rest from fear. All my unfolding days to him are plain and clear. Each anxious, puzzled why from doubt or dread that grows finds answer in this thought. I know not, but God knows. I cannot, but God can. O balm for all my care, the burden that I drop, his hand will lift and bear. Though eagle pinions tire, I walk where once I ran. This is my strength to know I cannot, but God can. I see not, but God sees. O oh, all-sufficient light, my dark and hidden way to him is always bright. My strained and peering eyes may close in restful ease, and I in peace may sleep. I see not, but God sees. God knows, God can, God sees. He's above us, he's the shepherd, he's watching over us. 
the Lord is my shepherd. I want to challenge you to make that part of your daily routine all week until we meet again next week that you would pray, the Lord is my shepherd. Dallas Willard, uh, who was a philosophy teacher at Berkeley and a great Christian uh, theologian, great Christian thinker, he would say and teach people how to pray. He would say, before my feet hit the floor, in the morning, when I wake up, before I get out of bed, before I even turn around and and put my feet on the floor, I meditate through Psalm 23 and the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. And he starts his day by focusing in on who God is and his own place in God's universe. He starts focusing his day on how God, he's asking God, how do you want to lead me today? Help me to follow you. You are my shepherd. I want to challenge you before you get out of bed every day this week to remember to pray, the Lord is my shepherd. You can memorize all of Psalm 23. You can start meditating and praying that, those six verses before your feet hit the floor. Now, what I like to do and what I've been practicing, I've been practicing this for several weeks, is my alarm will go off. I'll hit the snooze button and I'll start praying Psalm 23. And before I get to verse 3 or 4, I've already fallen back asleep. But I've started the day right. Started the day right. And then when the alarm goes back off again, I kind of wake up in the middle of praying. That's kind of a nice place to be. But I'm trying to reorient myself before the day even starts that I need to follow the good shepherd. How does he shepherd us? How does he bind our wounds? How does he heal our soul? How does he provide for us and care for us? Well, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, who by nature is God. God shows up as human. And just like we can't look at the sun without filtering our glass over our eyes, putting a filter over our eyes so we can see the sun, we cannot see and look at God's glory without it being filtered through the humanity of Jesus Christ. God hides his glory behind the humanity of Jesus so that we can know what a good shepherd looks like more intimately. And Jesus shows up, and I wonder if he had Psalm 23 in mind when he tells his disciples and he tells the people who have gathered around to hear him teach, he says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I wonder when he mentions that, if they immediately went back to Psalm 23 in their own minds. The Lord is my shepherd. And you know, in the scripture, anytime we see that word Lord with all capital letters, L-O-R-D, it's describing the, the Hebrew term for Yahweh. He's giving us his name. In Psalm 23, when it says the Lord, that's a translation of Yahweh. It's not just saying God. It's not just saying uh, another form of the word God. It is saying the name of God. Yahweh is our shepherd. God the Father who is above, who's looking down below, who wants to love us and guide us. He is the shepherd. And Jesus comes along and he says, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is God. We want to know what God the Father is like. We look at Jesus Christ and here he is in John chapter 10. He shows up and he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know my father and I laid down my life for the sheep. Isn't that incredible that our shepherd loves us so much he's willing to die for us to protect us. He's willing to die for us, to save us. That's exactly what Jesus does when he comes and he becomes our good shepherd as he dies on the cross 
to save us. It is the strangest thing, it's kind of a paradox, that the shepherd makes himself like the sheep so he can become like one of us to die in our place. That's exactly how Isaiah the prophet describes it in Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus, our good shepherd, became like the sheep to save us, because we are the sheep. He becomes like us so that we can become like him. He is fully God and fully human, able to bridge the gap between divinity and humanity. And he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Do you know the good shepherd? One of the ways to get routed to know the good shepherd more fully is to spend dedicated time praying Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Matthew chapter 6. Our Father who resides in heaven, who art in heaven, When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he was trying to teach them, you know, corporately, you all need to pray together like this. You all need to get together. When you gather together, you pray to all of our Father who is in heaven. And together, we declare and make his name holy. But in your prayer closet, when you are alone, when you are in private, before you get out of bed in the morning, you start meditating on what your day is going to be like, and you start meditating, you reorient yourself to God, and he becomes your shepherd. And he will guide you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want is how the King James 1611 version goes. Now, in 1611, the language was just a little bit different than um, how we speak it today. And so when I hear those words, I shall not want, I start thinking, but I, I know he's the good shepherd, and I know he wants to love me and take care of me, but I still have wants and desires, what does that mean, I shall not want? Well, it's a, it's a change in the language. The difference in the language between 1611 and 2020 is this, that idea of I will lack nothing is what it's saying. I'm going to have my needs met. I think the 2020 American English version is a better translation when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. God provides me what I need. The little boy praying over Christmas meal had all the family around, and as he prayed for dinner, he thanked God for his mom, his dad, his baby brother, his older sister, his grandma, his grandpa, and then he got to the table, and he thanked God for the ham and the turkey, and he thanked God for the mashed potatoes and the corn, and he thanked God for the rolls, and then there was a long pause. And all the family, you know, started doing one of those peak, what's going on? And he looks over at his mom and he says, if I thank God for the broccoli, won't he know I'm lying? (laughs) When we hear that word, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and we start thinking, but I have wants, I have desires. God wants to hear those. God wants to hear all the things that you are thankful for and all the things that you're not thankful for, and you're allowed to tell him, I'm not thankful for broccoli, I'm not thankful for how you're leading this, but you're my shepherd, I'm going to follow you. 
We're allowed to pray those type of prayers. But we need to recognize that when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, what that psalmist is saying, what King David is saying, what he's inspired to say by the Holy Spirit is the Lord is going to guide us and protect us and heal us and feed us, and we're not going to lack for our needs to be met. Ultimately, the number one need we have is to be saved and our souls saved so that we can spend eternity with heaven, with Jesus Christ. Eternity in the new heaven and the new earth and a new body. If that need is not met, it doesn't matter if we have millions and millions of dollars. It doesn't matter if we have all the food in the world. It doesn't matter if we have all the great uh, clothes in the world. Nothing else matters if that one need isn't met. And the shepherd provides that. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. In Revelation, John, the prophet John, he describes Jesus this way when he says he's going to meet our needs. Chapter 7 of Revelation, for the Lamb at the center of the throne. He's seeing this vision of heaven. He's seeing God's throne room. He's seeing the king, God's throne. And in the middle of the throne is the Lamb. Only God is allowed to sit on his throne. And there is the Lamb, Jesus, as one is slain, sitting in the throne. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. When we start praying, the Lord is my shepherd, we reorient ourselves to God. He becomes our shepherd and our guide. He becomes our provider. He becomes our leader. And we start training ourselves to look out for how he wants to lead us today. Just for today. And that leads us and transitions us into verses 2 and 3. He, lead, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. This is what we should be praying every day before we wake up. Any prayer is a pretty good prayer, but the more we know about God, the more we understand that he's our shepherd, this becomes one that can maybe be one that's close and dear to our heart that has been for Christians for centuries. He leads me beside quiet waters. He Makes me lie down in green pastures. How would you imagine a green pasture? I asked Nick this the other day, and he had the same picture in his mind that I have in my mind. I said, Nick, what would, you, what would, what would a green pasture be for you? And he said, I, I don't know what this says about Nick or me, but he said, like in The Sound of Music, when she's on top of the hill, and uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. The hills are alive. With the, that's what I was thinking. And when I imagine a pasture, green grass up to your knees, that's what I imagine. And when I read Psalm 23, verse 2, and he makes me lie down in green pasture, I think, whoa, this is the pasture that he's talking about. What do you imagine? Maybe you're thinking a little bit closer to home. Uh, Holmes County, Ohio, for example. This is Amish country. They have some sheep. This is a green pasture not too, long, not too far away from where we live. What did David imagine a green pasture would look like? Do you know there's not the same type of land and soil in Israel, in the desert, that there is here in Ohio? Like when I move to Ohio and I see all this black dirt, I think, oh, that's good soil. That's fertile soil. That'll grow anything. What's Israel like? The wilderness. Israel is rock and dirt and clay and sand. Here is a picture of a shepherd on a pasture 
near Israel. Does anybody see any green grass in that picture? I don't know how clear it is where you are, but that looks brown to me. Here's another picture. This is a shepherd in near Israel today. You see that picture? There is a there is a uh, historian slash teacher slash theologian that he does these videos. His name is Ray Vanderlaan. He does these videos in Israel. And he has these videos of, of him. He's standing on the road that Jesus walked on. He said, this is the road Jesus walked on. Jesus probably stepped right here in this area. And, you know, pilgrims have prayed in this area for years and centuries. And then he'll say, this is, you know, one of Herod's places that he built. You know, Herod the Great, he was great because he was building these big towers. And he's this, he, he's this fascinating teacher that uses the, the land and the area to talk about what we're learning about in scripture and he said while he was over there and he sees these sheep on the hillside and he sees them in the dirt and they're all bending down eating he asked his guide he said what are they eating and his guide looked at him like he was stupid he said they're eating grass and he goes i don't even see any grass and the and the guide explained to him that israel only gets about 23 inches of rain a year it's a very dry area Uh, in the afternoons this humid air comes in this air filled with moisture and it the moisture hits the cracks and crevices in that rocky sandy clay soil and just for a moment out sprouts little blades of grass real patchy like you can barely see it and when david says he makes me lie down in green pastures he might have been imagining the shepherd leading the sheep to this patch of grass, eating that little patch of grass, blades of grass. I don't know if you can even see the grass on that picture. It's hard to see. And leading to the next little couple of blades of grass and leading to the next little couple of blades of grass. And you got all these sheep in this flock and he's leading them along these cracks and crevices along the path and in the, in the hills. And it's just enough grass. Jesus talked about this grass. It's here today and it's burned up in the afternoon heat and it's gone tomorrow. These little tufts of grass and the sheep eat enough And they finally get enough in their bellies where they're full and they lay down because they have enough to eat. Now, it's not all they can eat. And it's not enough for tomorrow, but it's enough for today. And when David prays this prayer and when he teaches us to pray this prayer, this is a pattern found all through Scripture where we have enough that we need and our needs are met for today. That's the pattern found in Scripture. When they were in the desert, and they were coming out of Egypt, and they were going to the promised land, a land that would be fertile, flowing with milk and honey, and have lots of fertile green, uh, green and, and uh, grapes and clusters and, and olive, uh, they had to eat manna that God provided them in the desert. The manna was bread from heaven. It would appear in the morning, and it would be gone by the afternoon, and the Israelites were supposed to go out and collect enough for what they needed for that day. If they tried to save for tomorrow, it would get rotten. And that uh, phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I lack nothing, is the exact same wording used in Exodus chapter 16 when it describes what was going on with the Israelites. They would go out and they would get their manna and they would bring it in. And the one who gathered a lot, he didn't have too much. He had what he needed for the day. And the one who only needed a little, he gathered a little. He didn't have too little. He lacked nothing. He had enough for the day. It was Exodus chapter 16, verse 18. I think it it goes kind of like this. I don't have it memorized. When they measured it by the omer, he who gathered much had no excess. He who gathered little 
lacked nothing, shall not want. That's the same phrase right there. Each one gathered as much as he needed. God provided for them exactly what they needed that day. The same pattern that Jesus gives us in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. The same pattern found in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 through 9, where the uh, the author prays the prayer, God, give me exactly what I need for today. Don't give me too much because I'll be rich and I'll forget about you. I'll pretend I don't need you. And don't give me too little because then I'll have to steal from my family and dishonor your name. Give me exactly what I need. And when David prays this prayer and when we are learning to pray this prayer, we are learning to ask for just the need for today and it increases our trust for tomorrow. Ray Vanderlaan, as he's standing in front of the hillside in Israel, he points over his shoulder and he says, it may not be as much as I want, but it will be as much as I need. This is the prayer of Psalm 23. This is the first couple of verses that we start our day with. The Lord is my shepherd. He's going to provide my needs. He's going to see to it that I get what I need. So tonight, I can rest easy because he provided today. And because I can look back behind and see all the days he provided for me, and I can look back behind and see all the days that turned into weeks, that turned into months, that turned into years, he's always provided what I need on that day. I can rest easy because he provided today, and I know he's going to provide for me tomorrow. He is a good shepherd. He's going to give, give me exactly what I need. And what I need most is the Holy Spirit, and Jesus says, I'll give it to you. The Lord is my shepherd. Would you make that your prayer this week? Every week till we meet again, before your feet hit the floor, before you get out of bed, you start meditating on that phrase, God, you are my shepherd. You are above me. I'm seeking you today to guide me. And I know that as I seek you and you guide me, I'll have what I need for today. Would you open my eyes to see where you're providing for me today direction and provision, how you're going to sustain me? And before your feet even hit the floor, you have reoriented yourself to God, looking for how he is going to sustain you for that day and even more. Jesus gives us a reminder of his provision called communion. It's a time where we gather together as Christians and together we pray and together we eat. And it's not a lot. It's a little piece of bread. It's a cup to drink. And Jesus, when he met with his disciples, he broke the bread. He took a piece. He handed each. He said, do this in remembrance of me. It's not a lot, but it's exactly what we need to be spiritually sustained for today. It's exactly what we need to be reminded that Jesus died for us and came back from the dead and that reminder sustains us spiritually today. It may even be a spiritual provision that lasts all week, but today it reminds us that we are loved and we are cared for because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And communion is the reminder for that. So when you take your bread today remind yourself as you eat it reorient yourself to god this is the good shepherd this is my body jesus says when you take that cup and you drink it remind yourself that he gave his life for you he will sustain you that's the blood of the new covenant 
remind yourself that he's coming back to get you. The lamb who sits in the middle of the throne will take us to water where we'll never be thirsty again. He will refresh your soul. Communion time is a great opportunity to be refreshed by the reminder, the memorial, that Jesus died and rose again. That he took care of us, that he's coming back to get us. It's a great way to reorient ourselves to God. It's a great prayer because if we get too high on ourselves, it reminds us we're sinners. We needed Jesus to die in our place, to have our penalty taken away, to be declared just because of his righteous act. If we get too low on ourselves, we're reminded that Jesus loves us so much that he is willing to lay down his life for us. Communion is this perfect beautiful reminder that he is the good shepherd let's pray lord i thank you for this time that uh, we get to eat together as a church family in a very small almost just a couple of blades of grass reminder that you will sustain us that you provide for us that you are changing us spiritually to become more and more like Jesus Christ, like the Good Shepherd. Lord, we praise you for this reminder. We praise you that it is just enough to be what we need to remind us that you died and rose again. Lord, help us to be spiritually encouraged just by taking and participating in this small reminder. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, I ask that you would pray and consider partnering with us financially so that we could continue to minister here in our community and beyond. Visit us online at wcconline.org backslash donate to find out how you can be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you again for joining us, and I hope to see you back here next time.